toward the first of the year, it's a good time to do a little examination of ourselves. Uh, I've taught a course at uh, Reformed Theological Seminary for 25 years. It's a doctoral course uh, for students who are working on their doctorate degrees who are ministers. And the whole first part of the course is entitled The Danger of an Unexamined Life. I think there's a huge danger of that when we don't stop and we take time to really do a good self-examination. How are we doing? David did it. You remember the 139th Psalm in which David prayed, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and see if there is any evil way in me. He prayed that. He asked God to show him these things. Recently, I had the opportunity to speak in the chapel at a first family gathering on a Sunday morning. And I talked about three gauges in your life, three gauges that need to be constantly monitored, three gauges we need to, to watch about our lives. And the first one is our spiritual gauge. And as we start this new year, here's the question. How are we doing spiritually? Really, how are we doing spiritually? Do we sense the presence of Christ in our lives? Are we in regular relationship with him? Do we open our, our Bibles and are we reading and are we meditating and how's our prayer life? Those basic things we need to grow as Christians, how are we doing spiritually? Second thing is, how are we doing physically? Now, when I spoke on this, uh, the whole question was, how are you doing physically? Are you taking care of your body? Are you getting the right amount of rest and those things? Well, I got real convicted because at the time I spoke on that, I, I was the heaviest I've been in 35 years, and I made a point that day that I was going to get serious about this. And I have, by the way, 12 pounds off, you know, eating right, resting, taking care of yourself. You have to look at that. And then Bill Hybels, I used Bill Hybels' article. Some of you know him. He was the pastor of Willow Creek Church in the Chicago area. Anyway, Bill Hybels wrote an article a number of years ago, and he called it the uh, most disregarded gauge of your life, the one that we pay least attention to and one we very seldom check, the emotional gauge. How are you doing emotionally? People who are emotionally depleted are really heading for difficulties. I know I went through that a few years ago. I shared that um, in the, the, first, the first family that I went through this time of a major depression, and it came because I was just emotionally depleted. Well, we've got to look at our lives and see how we're doing. Now, here's the thing. I want to, I'm not so much going to talk about those this morning and say we need to examine ourselves. Here's what we want to deal with, though, this morning. But how do we go about affecting change? Now, there's one thing I know for certain. Every single one of us in this room this morning has something that you wish was different, right? There are things in our lives that we want to change. There are attitudes that we have that are unhelpful. There are habits that we need to get rid of. There are sins that so easily entangle us. There are attitudes that bring us down. There are relationships that are broken. We all have these things, and we really want to change them. See, what I'm saying is examine your life. What are those things in your life that really need to be changed? Now, I guarantee you there are going to be some of you this morning who say, I know those things, and I have tried, and I have tried, and I've tried, but I can't seem 
to get rid of them. Can you relate to that? They're just things you can't, you really want to change, but you can't seem. Well, I think the reason for that is so often we don't understand God's way of change. And that's really the subject this morning out of Ephesians chapter 4, because we have to understand that to bring about change that sticks, it's a process. Now, take your Bibles with me and, and look at this passage that starts in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, starting at the 17th verse. This is the Word of God. So I'll tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you trust no longer, I'm sorry, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Now he changes and then he gets emphatic here. You, however did not come to Christ in that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with him in regard to your former way of life. Now here it is. This is the way to effect change. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, create it to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, notice that. You've got to put off, be renewed in your mind, and you've got to put on. There's a process that changes involved. Then he illustrates it. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no more, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. That's a big one, isn't it? Making a commitment that we're only going to build people up and not tear people down. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. This is God's Word. Would you pray with me? This morning, Lord, we ask you to open our hearts. O Holy Spirit, you who are the very author of the words that we just read, as you inspired Paul to write them, you're the one who illuminates our hearts and our minds. And so, O Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. Reveal to us those things in our lives that need to be changed. And this morning, give us the resolve to follow through, to have chains that sticks. For we make this prayer in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I want to approach this a couple of different ways this morning. We're going to look at the text in a minute. 
because Paul said it long before Thomas Chalmers ever said it. Now, in your bulletin insert, you're going to find a, in the insert, you're going to find a quote. And I love some of these old Puritan writers. I love the uh, titles they come up with. The title of this particular work by Thomas Chalmers is The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. And what he's talking about here is how do you affect change in your life? How do you have change that really sticks? How do you follow through? Those things that you want to get rid of that you can't seem to get rid of, how do you follow through? So this is what he says. He says, misplaced affections need to be replaced by the far greater power of the affection of the gospel. A new affection is more successful in replacing an old affection than simply trying to end it without supplanting it with something better. The only way to dispossess the heart of an old affection is by the expulsive power of a new one. Now, I want you to work through that with me for a minute. Look at what he's saying. He's saying as we look at these things in our lives, we all realize that there are things that need to be changed. There are things that we desire that we shouldn't desire. There are things that we love way too much. There are habits we've developed. There are things that have become affections to us. We love them. And yet we know that we need to rid ourselves of them. So how do we go about doing it? And he says, it doesn't simply work to say no to them. You have to replace them with something else. And what he says here is that we have to replace them with the new affection of the gospel. What he's talking about is love for Jesus. You see, on the throne of our hearts, someone is in control. Most of the time, we're the ones who are in control rather than learning that great principle of the Christian life, that it is the love of Christ that controls me. See the difference? Because when I'm in control, I'm going to go back to those old affections. I'm going to go to the things that please me. I'm going to those things that I desire. I'm going to those things that make me happy, even though deep down in me I know that those are not good things for me. They're not God's best for me. And so I struggle with that. And I try to get rid of them, and I say no to them, but they just keep coming right back. And what Thomas Chalmers is saying, he said, you can't get rid of those old affections, those old struggles that you have. You can't simply get rid of them and say no to them. You've got to replace it with something else. And he says that replacement is the affection of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There has to be a renewed love for Christ when we have these conflicting desires in our lives. Now, that's what he says. Now, let's go to the text because that's exactly what Paul said. Nothing new here. Thomas Chalmers is saying the very thing Paul said. And Paul is talking about a process of change. And when he talks about this process of change, he says, first of all, notice this, that we have to put off the old self, put off the old self. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by the deceitful desires. We have to see those things for what they really are. Now, remember what I'm asking you to do this morning, asking you to do a self-examination. I've said one of the greatest dangers in life is the danger of an unexamined life. Oh, that David had prayed that prayer 
in Psalm 139 before his experience with Bathsheba, right? We need to examine ourselves. And when we find those things, we have to come to grips with them. We have to see those things as they really are. And some of them we know are destructive. They are unhealthy. They are hurtful. There are things that we love too much that we shouldn't love. There are these conflicting desires that we go through. We have to identify those things. Listen, we have to come face to face with them and say what they really are. And let me tell you what we have to do. We have to quit making excuses. Haven't you found your own life? You know, something will trigger that in your mind. And you go back to this old habit, you go back to that sin that so easily entangles you, you go back to that thing, and you make excuses for it. Well, you see, the first thing we have to do, if we're going to have change that sticks, we have to face up. What are these things in my life? We have to put off the old self. We have to come to grips with them. We have to be honest with them. We have to come face to face with them. We have to call them what they are. But now remember... What Thomas Chalmers is saying, and what Paul is saying here, you can't simply say no. You see, there are two more parts to this process of change. The next thing Paul says is we have to have a change of mind. He says to be made new in the attitude of your minds. We have to have a complete, basic change of mind. We've got to realize What we are missing, we have to realize that we're not getting God's best in these things. We have to, in our minds, we have to wrestle with these things. And notice the wording, to be made new in the attitude of our minds. The ESV says, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Now, what is he talking about here? He's saying the same thing Paul was saying in Romans chapter 12. When Paul wrote that we are not to be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but we are to be transformed. Do you remember how the transformation takes place? By the renewing of your minds. You see, you not only have to come to grips with these things, and you have to be honest about these things, but then you've got to get the right perspective. You have to develop a gospel perspective. We have to see things from God's perspective. We have to think like God thinks. We have to get that new affection in us. We have to be gospel-oriented. Now hold that thought. And then he goes on to say, and we have to put on the new self. Now I want you to go back to that quote for a minute out of Thomas Chalmers. There's another quote uh, toward the bottom of the quote I just read to you. And I want you to look at this carefully. He says, When admitted into the number of God's children through faith. In other words, when you become a Christian, that is in Jesus Christ, the spirit of adoption. Now, who's he talking about here? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. The spirit of adoption. And what does the spirit of adoption do? When we're adopted into the family of God, we belong to a new family. We have a father who loves us immensely. A father who loves us immensely. In fact, we are sold by the spirit of adoption. We're brought into such close communion with him, we can actually say, Abba, Father. We have a Father who adores us, a Father who loves us, a Father who looks at us and says that we are 
precious. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son when he comes home? The father can't wait. He throws a, a feast. He runs to his son, embraces him, kisses him, and brings out the best for him. That is the father we have in heaven. When the spirit of adoption comes upon us and we're born into God's kingdom, we have a father who loves us immensely. It's amazing how many people don't feel loved. It's amazing how many people don't feel loved. In relationships where there's not good relationship, many, I know many people who've had relationships with their fathers that aren't good. But I'm going to tell you something. You have a father in heaven who absolutely adores you. A father in heaven who thinks, you're per who thinks you are precious in his sight and who has made you perfect. Do you realize that when God looks at you, he looks at you in the same way he looks at his son, Jesus Christ? Because of our justification, not only are our sins forgiven, but we've been made righteous with the imputed righteousness of Christ credited to us so that when God looks at you or God looks at me, he sees Jesus. And I want to tell you something. He adores you. I did a, I did a wedding yesterday, a little young girl that uh, I baptized. I went to see her when she was born, and I, I baptized, and I got to do a wedding yesterday. And I always love to look at the groom. I know everybody looks at the bride. I look at the groom, and I'm going to tell you why. Because that groom, when he begins that back doors of the church open and that bride comes in, his face, tears coming down, his face lights up. He is so excited. I've been in some churches where he couldn't stand it. He, he couldn't see his bride, so he ran off to the side and looked down the aisle. He couldn't wait to see her coming down the aisle. I'm going to tell you something, and this is what I say at weddings. Weddings are a picture of the gospel. Because Jesus is the bridegroom and we are the church. And Jesus anxiously awaits us when we come into his presence because he loves us. You see what's got to happen? We have to get that new mindset. We have to begin to think like Christ. And that's what, that's what Chalmers is saying here. He's saying, when admitted into the number of God's children through faith that is in Christ Jesus, the spirit of adoption is poured out upon us. It is then that the heart brought under the mastery of one great and predominant affection. What is the great and dominant affection that he's talking about? Our love for Christ. We become overwhelmed with our love for Christ. And now it is the love of Christ that controls my life. Dare I want anything that would grieve him. Dare would I want anything in my life when I picture him in his great love for me. Dare that I would want to do any damage to my relationship with him. And those things that get in the way of a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus in my mind... I get resolved because I have a new mastery. I have a new affection. There's been a change in the seat of the affections of my heart. And now the love of Jesus controls me. See, you will never get change until you come to that. And then you come to the third point. And the third point is now comes the putting off. Do you see it? 
I'm sorry, now comes the putting on. You have to put off, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and then you put on the new self. And to put on the new self, create it to be like God in righteousness and holiness. We have to replace the putting off with putting on. To have change that sticks, you can't simply say no. Something must replace it. Now, let me tell you where I just saw an illustration of this. We had all of our children and grandchildren a couple of weeks before Christmas. And my two youngest grandchildren, brother and sister, uh, the, the sister's a little bit older. She's five, and the little brother's three-year-old, who, by the way, he happens to be Shelton Palmer Sanford V. So, you know, he's, he's quite a little fellow. But he's a pistol now, I'll tell you that. So he goes over and he takes something away from his sister. And, of course, you know how that goes, right? A lot of crying and wailing and carrying on. So Marianne, who's very wise, walks up to, to little Shelt, and she, she had something else. She said, now, Shelt, give me that. That belongs to Lily. So she took it from him. Now, she just didn't take it from him. You know what she did? She gave him something else. And you know what? He was perfectly satisfied. He just went on off and played with it. Now, it doesn't work every time, but it does work, parents. It does work sometimes. But you see, that's really the point here. You can't just simply say no. There has to be a replacement with something else. So put on the new self. What is the new self? The new self is what Jesus has given us when we are now enabled to live for him a life that pleases him. That's a new self. It's simply that. It means we take away those old things that get in the way. Now, here's what I want to do in the remaining few minutes that we have here this morning. I want to pull this home. I want to try to drive it into very practical application. Here's my question this morning. And I, want, I really want you to be serious about this. What are the things in your life that have become way too important to you. Things that we feel that we have to have, but we really don't. Things that we love too much. Habits that we've developed that we know are harmful. Attitudes of our hearts that aren't right. Relationships that aren't right. Things that need changing. Things that we need to get rid of. Negative attitudes. Broken relationships. A defeated spirit. A hopeless outlook. What are the things in your life this morning? What are they? And then when we identify those things and we come face to face with them, then we have to go to that renewal of mind. And I'm praying this morning, when I went over this sermon early this morning, I was honestly praying that as I preach this today, that those of you who hear this message would deal with this right now in this worship service because this renewal of mind what better place could it t what better place could it be than in the context of worship to have a renewed mind especially after we've just taken the Lord's supper you see we have to get gospel perspective now here's what I'm asking you to do this morning I'm asking you to look at those things in your life that you know are hurtful and harmful to you and to others. And to be honest about them. But then this is what I'm asking you to do in the renewal of your minds. Here's what I want you to do next. I want you to look at Jesus. 
I want you to imagine for a moment Jesus suffering on that cross because of those things that are hurtful and harmful. Can you see his suffering? I want you to think about his love for you. That he loved you enough that he would go to that cross to free you. You do not have to be in bondage to those things. He set you free. Do you see his love for you? We saw it in the table. The body of Christ, the blood of Christ shed for us. And when you see him for who he is, how could you not but put on a new affection for him? How could you not love him immensely that he loved you that much? That is what motivates us. It's the love of Christ, that new affection that comes on. It's not simply enough to try to get rid of an old affection until we replace it with a new one. And so on this first Lord's Day of a new year, rekindle your love for your Savior. There's a great hymn that we're going to sing, written by William Featherson. You know this hymn well. And I hope these are the words when we sing it shortly. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. I come to grips with them, Jesus. I'm facing them for what they are. I have resolved to resign myself from those things. Why? Because I love you immensely. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior thou art. If ever I loved you, my Jesus, it's now. Let's pray. This morning, Lord, as we have been called to examine ourselves, I pray that we would see those things that you want us to see. I pray that we'd come to grips with them, face the realities of them, things that we know that need to be changed, things that we've tried to change but we just simply haven't been able to. And this morning I pray we come to grips with them. And I pray that we would be renewed in the spirit of our minds, that we would see you, Jesus, in all of your love, in all of your mercy, in all of your compassion that we would see you and that we would be so drawn to you. We confess, just like those in the church of Laodicea, that often we have lost our first love. May we today regain it as we look at you and then help us to replace those old things with the new affection of the gospel. To love you with an infinite love. And to live with you. To live for you. 
and to give you all of the glory. For we make this prayer in the precious name of our Savior. Amen.